Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Off Axis Podcast, where we talk entertainment, acrobatics, business, entrepreneurship, and more fun, exciting stuff. If you guys enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends. Make sure you like and subscribe. Now, let's get into the podcast. Enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Off Axis Podcast. It has been three years since we've done one of these podcasts. The last time we did a podcast, it was possibly the most boring time to ever do entertainment podcast. Back in 2020, yeah. we started this thing a week before the whole world shut down. The apocalypse. And then the next 20 episodes were basically, so what have you guys been doing since we all lost our jobs? So I'm here with Mike Saveland and Brandon Burchick. How are you guys doing today? Good, brother. All good. Good to be here. Yeah. Good? I'm doing great. Awesome. So Brandon, you were on the podcast three years ago can you give us a quick background on yourself and what you were doing up until three years ago or so yeah um i was a former diver and then i transitioned into you know cirque du soleil and dragon like a lot of young acrobats and athletes do at the end of their career and then i was performing juggling and hand-to-hand and russian swing high dive for you know various shows traveling what would you say is your favorite of those disciplines oof well if my body is healthy, Russian swing is about Russian as swing. mint as it gets. You can get so much out of that. Yeah. When I was at when I was in China, I did six somersaults, six front flips to blind. Yeah. In from from Russian swing. And that was like my absolute glory days. If I could if I could just relive like a month of my body over and over again, it would be when I was absolutely gilled out from training and doing big stuff on swing because it's it's so fun it's crazy but you got to be you know really tuned up to do yeah. it safely and to have fun yeah so, that thing is super dangerous it's a, it's, it's by far the most dangerous apparatus i've ever been on yeah 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 i bet yeah. so mike what what's your background oh uh, well uh, basically i do everything okay everything um, I, I i started diving and trampoline when i was 20 gone to shows um, you started when you're 20 yeah i started really late um i didn't have access to any training stuff before i was able to go to university oh, so interesting. i just wanted to lose weight and not be so fat behind a computer desk but then i, I got into shows um at 24 i went to the u.s nationals for trampoline and uh which is a miracle by the way it's like shocking that that you getting could into, be that you could be 20 years old and getting into start finals. trampoline and then because you know everybody knows each other in those circles, right? Yeah, they usually can you start ma- at like can you six. imagine like if I was a diver and then somebody showed up one year and they were like, "Hey, I started three years ago," I would be bummed. Yeah, I would be too. <laughs> right? You know, yeah. I'd be like, "What the?" Anyway, well, so yeah. were all those eighteen-year-olds that I beat at nationals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, when you, I guess when you start, I would say that maybe the advantage is when you start later, you're more mature and you can you probably have a better understanding of how to learn skills that, versus when you're a one. young kid. And then also, I would say you get burnt out quicker as a kid. You know, you've been doing it for yeah. so long. It's hard I, def- for you to I definitely go. got massively burned out. Yeah. At the end of my diving career, I was so done. I was crazy done. I I actually, you know, I really don't have regrets in my life, but I I dove longer than I needed to. And my last year, I was absolutely miserable. I had a great, great, great year. And then I, you know, came back for another one. And it was not what I, yeah, no joy at that point. Yeah, bad. <laughs> and that's the main reason why I was able to do what I did at that age is because I didn't have all of these micro injuries while I was growing up as a teenager. 
I was able to come in fresh yeah. and, and not make all the mistakes those other people had to. So it, it, it gave me a strong advantage. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, when you do stuff from a young age, you get tired of it. You're kind of just doing it because this is the thing you do. When you learn, well, you're like, also self-identifying from yeah. it. You're like it's. I mean, for me, I literally didn't know who I was outside of diving for the majority of my, you know, early life, and I, I didn't even know what I would be afterward, and I, I couldn't even imagine a concept of me that was not. Brandon the diver or Brandon the gymnast, you know? So, yeah. 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 I do want to touch on that because I think you're, who you identify as is so important because mm-hmm. a lot of people, they want to change their life, but they still think of themselves as like a, just a acrobat or something like that. Yeah. Like for the longest time, I would pretty much self-identify myself as like a, a stoner skater kid. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. But like the best stoner skater, I was kid. pretty good well, well, back in the, the day. He was no, he he was like legit the best. <laughs> weren't you the first, uh, the first sponsored scooter rider? I was like the first guy to start making like over thirty k a year off of it. Okay. Yeah, that was just because I was good with money though, and mm. you know I was just always looking for jobs and things. And how can I like make money doing this scootering? Basically, so yeah. I, I can say kind of like I was like the first professional scooter rider who was actually making like yeah. a solid living off yeah. of it. Um, and that's, and that's developed you like all of that, all of that that's inside you. Now you have a shoe company and you sponsor UFC fighters and you put on your own productions. So that's where I was going with it was like at a certain point when I was 26 years old, when I wanted to start my own business, I had to make this switch in my mind. Where were you when you were 26? I was in LA Uh and Mm -hmm. I had just quit my job working for Razor. I started a social media business. We made really good money. We cracked over 6k in a year or six six digits in a first year and then it all kind of just like fizzled away because i didn't do what is very important is acquiring talent and leads and stuff and then my clients all kind of dropped off at the same time and i scrambled and at that point there was too many other people doing social media businesses Mm -hmm. and my first business kind of failed so then the second one i kind of started which was off axis and i had to like make this cognitive switch in my head of I'm no longer this stoner skater kid. Like I'm going to mm-hmm. start identifying as a business guy who mm-hmm. reads a lot of books uh-huh. and I'm also a pro athlete, but that old identity like left with me yeah. during that day. And I had like a really, really horrible year one year. Yeah. And it Did was you like, find it hard to, to transition with like some of your network to, to be like reappraised differently. I would say so. Yeah. Like, cause I meet people who I haven't seen for like seven, eight years. And like, dude, you're not even the same person anymore. And it's like the way I approach life, how I do, like I was literally just a reckless skater kid from the skate park, you know, that that was who I was back in the day. You know, I was always like pretty smart when it came to like school stuff, but it was kind of like who I identified as. And I think that was the main problem. And I think a lot of people, especially when I hear people say that I'm poor or I'm just fat, you know, that's because you think of yourself that way. If you started thinking of yourself as someone who goes to the gym every single day, you would immediately mm-hmm. have great benefits because mm-hmm. it's easy to like, it, once you think of yourself as a certain human being, it's easy to start changing yourself into that person versus mm-hmm. if you always say like, I'm fat and lazy, you're probably going to be fat and lazy. Yeah. Or like if I'm poor, you know, <laughs> you're probably going to be poor. But if you say I'm rich, like there's a whole mindset with that and like there is a mindset but it's it's not quite that easy you can't it's, just like it's not easy but you will start doing things that rich people do 
like reading books and like doing certain things with your money, making budgets, setting huge goals versus if you just say you're poor, you're always going to come up with the excuse of why just you don't looking have money, for you know? enough money for next month. Yep, yeah. exactly. Anyway, so let's touch back on, uh, did you perform for Cirque Mike? No, I never performed for Cirque. I, you I, did other performances, yeah, though, right? Yeah, I, I, I did a decent number of, of, of months and years for Royal Caribbean on board a cruise ship in, in the East and West Caribbean. Um, also, I, I worked for uh, some smaller companies uh, that would do, uh, they just pay to fly me out, and then I'll do like a festival or a fair, a state fair. Uh, so that, that lasts, you know, these are the short-term gigs, two, three, four weeks. And then in between uh, those two ends of the spectrum, I would get paid to fly out internationally. So I did like six weeks in Brazil right when I turned 21 years old. I uh, worked in South Africa, Dubai, China for too long. China for too long. <laughs> yeah, three months was plenty. <laughs> that's that's a long time in yeah. China. But uh, that is, uh, in, that uh, is a really in, long time in China. Uh, uh, also, uh, one of my favorite ones was I, I got to work um, at the Olympic Park in yeah. Sydney. And we set up our high dive tower right in front of the Olympic torch. So every day I would climb up to 10 meter, light myself on fire, and I have the Olympic torch in the background. That's awesome. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Sweet, brother. What's like the, what's your favorite height to dive from? Uh, 72. 72. 72 feet. Yeah. I like 50. Um, I would, I would, I would spot. say, I would say 60. 60 60 60 is high enough that you can like crank and not worry about getting smoked because even if you have to go hands-on or take a bomb you're okay right but to a degree you're okay i mean yeah depending (laughs) depending right but then you know as you go up higher it changes i mean you you take a wipe out from from the red bull height you're that's a i'll change your week yeah yeah i bet yeah, that's why I like 50, you know. I'll do up to 50's, 70 or so. 50 comfy. 50, you can have like a, a few drinks and then go and do like a fun flip. But once <laughs> yeah. you get past yeah. that, you're going to need some mental preparation. Yeah, I, I think anything lower than that, like I have to try harder. And yeah, I'm really that's a lazy problem. diver. Yeah. yeah. Lower than that, you're, I mean, I'm throwing you're, hard. you're hucking hard yeah. to make yeah. some big stuff. So, Well, I usually don't go over two flips. That's the most I ever do is two. That's all you need. Um, Mike, (laughs) so you do investments and that kind of stuff. What is some things, what are some projects that you're working on? Currently? Yeah. Um, Well, currently um, I'm working on a a project called Elite Performance Design, uh, where we're bringing in a bunch of experts to, well, do a bunch of stuff. But one example would be produce master classes. Um, so Brandon, for example, is, is pretty, has already produced a master class on breath holding. We have another gentleman named Tice who is working on hypertrophy as well as yeah, Tice uh, flexibility. Tice from Duo Transcend. Yeah. Mary yes. and Tice. Tice and Mary. He's built like Godzilla. Dude. It's crazy. He is. It's crazy. He's literally built like Godzilla. Yeah. It's I would shocking. maybe say King Kong or something. You know? It's shocking. He's just his, his, sho- his shoulders are like as big as a, like a handball. Yeah. They're, they're I'm looking enormous. forward to his master class because yeah. I would love to see some stuff on. Yeah. You know. That dude's a monster. He's jacked. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He legitimately is. Yeah. So we're, we're, doing a, we're, we're doing a master class with Tice on hypertrophy and mobility for various different professional athletes and entertainers. And he's going to be working with Dr. Mercer from UNLV and Dr. Donahue as well. And 
you know, it's, it's really unique to have somebody who's like so high level, but then also congratulated significantly by a lot of research in the background. So uh, that, that's going to be an absolute banger. And uh, yeah, and, you know, um, a whole bunch of other master classes in that project. So Gary Hunt is going to do one, the, you know, million time world champion in high diving, the absolute goat of jumping off anything high. <laughs> and lots of other people too I, I think grace good's gonna do one i think jackie burns who's a, a absolute broadway mint uh in that industry she's also gonna do one on just uh you know how to be the the best performer you can be she's the longest running alphaba in the broadway musical called wicked and so we, we there's a, there's a lot of really unique people lined up and then also all the doctors are also doing a master class as well so, so you what know, was Doug doing toxicology or blood toxicology? So Dr. Mercer is doing, oh, Mercer. so Dr. Mercer is like the VO2 max guy on planet earth. Um, Dr. Donahue is sort of the, one of the more famous brain sort of, oh, oh boy, <laughs> uh, neurologists. neurologists and, uh, but, but also like the, some of the programs that he's created with Al Light, who's the current, um, resident coach for shows for Cirque du Soleil. Uh, him and, and Donahue have worked together a lot, created these amazing programs for just how to be a, a better performer, how to get your headspace right, how to really, really interact with yourself, prepare and deliver. So all, all, the, all the doctors are, are doing some amazing things. Yeah. yeah. So Brandon, you, did, you worked for Cirque for a while. What mm -hmm. are some acts that you did in Cirque? Well, you did, like juggling. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Is our, are our mics good? They're good. Check, check. All right. Uh, yeah, I did. I did all sorts of different acts. I started as a diver. So, you know, very natural transition into Russian swing and high diving, obviously. But I also ended up doing a hand to hand act. And I also did a solo juggling act for a while, which was like mind bogglingly stressful. I think that juggling is, yeah, it's so awful. Yeah, well, like every juggler I've ever seen or worked with, they're juggling constantly. Yeah, like, it's the like, the the upkeep of the of the performance itself is is crazy. When I was doing an act, I I was having to train maybe like three and a half hours a day before every show, and and you that's crazy, and, and you still bro, and you still can't get it right, you know. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think my longest streak without a drop was like four months. And well, that's a really long time. Well, granted, my act was nowhere near as hard as a lot of other jugglers. Yeah. But back when I was performing, it was, you know, relatively difficult. I finished with seven balls and stuff. I used to kick up from three to seven balls in my act, which at the time was, you know, relatively high level, but not nearly even what, you know, a lot of my peers were doing. But now, I mean, it seems like everybody and their dog can just juggle seven balls magically. So yeah. I have no idea how that works. Actually, <laughs> so, you know, because we, we have a production company and we get reached out to about having jugglers, right? And so I often, I give them Vladek, right? Yeah, I worked with him once. Yeah, Vladek's, Vladek's unbelievable. He's probably the best juggler I've ever worked with. He's, 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 he's one of the greatest jugglers, like, of all time. And so... But if Vladek's not available, because Vladek and I had really similar routines, I tell the client, if you ordered Vladek from Wish.com, <laughs> you get me. 
<laughs> and and the client's like, well, that's a weird thing to say. And then they like look at his act and look at my act, and they're like, that's actually that's pretty accurate. It's like <laughs> so. So yeah. you just sold them on the Wish.com version. Anyway, everybody likes a joke, so yeah, the the client's normally fine with it. Yeah. We we're literally like the same height. Our our face is very similar. Like our act is extremely similar. Like the exact same except his hair's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's got crazy hair. Yeah. And uh okay, so ha- have you worked with Cirque before like uh not just as a performer, you did some other stuff with them and with yeah. Dragon, right? Yeah. I've uh done a lot of show creations. So, you know, helping design acts and come up with novel concepts and things like that um doing a bit of human performance design work coming up with with different acts and being sort of the guinea pig for you know you you work with the engineers and then they create an apparatus based on what you have in mind and then you apply context to it and you try to figure out a way to make it an act so I, i actually really love that that's one of my favorite things about circus but it's so rare because you really need an astronomical budget for that kind of work behind yeah. the scenes. So super rare, but like crazy enjoyable and so rewarding when it finally comes to stage. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm. And I do want to talk about your breath holding briefly. Let's <laughs> Just briefly. <laughs> Just briefly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'll keep it brief. I'm going to keep it. <laughs> We just did a podcast before this, and Brandon talked about it for 20 minutes, and we yeah. weren't actually recording. Well, there's a lot of information. There's there is. a lot of information there. So to keep anyway, it, I'll keep to it brief. the untrained person who knows nothing about VO2 max and all this stuff, yeah. how do I go from a 45-second breath hold to a minute-long breath hold? What are some things for my audience who probably can yeah. only hold their breath for 45 seconds or so? How do we get them to a minute? All right. So first, when you hold your breath, your urge to breathe doesn't come from lack of oxygen. It comes from a buildup of CO2. At all times, your body is doing a real-time readout of your blood pH, which is informed by how much CO2 you have. So if you want to hold your breath longer, what you really need to do is fight against that, that CO2 tolerance. So if you can hold your breath for like 40 seconds right now, but you want to hold your breath for four minutes, all you're going to do in the morning, you're going to wake up, your CO2 is really high. You've been doing tidal breathing. And then you're just going to hold your breath as big as you can until you have the urge to breathe. Then you're going to relax, exhale, and you're going to do that for like a set of 10. So you hold until the urge to breathe. Then you're going to do that for a set of 10. And after a couple of weeks, your tolerance to CO2 is going to be so much higher that your total breath hold capacity is going to be way, 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 way bigger than what it was before yeah yeah i was working on it right yeah. now i was yeah. trying to hold all my good. breath through that whole conversation <laughs> all good so and then you know essentially everybody can hold their breath for five minutes more yeah or you can hold it I, we forgot to mention brandon can hold his breath for over 20 minutes yeah right yeah 20? that's right yeah yeah that's uh i can do 45 seconds and I you could that, you could do five minutes everybody can do five minutes you say that but that just doesn't seem like possible to me honestly Mm. it also so you you also how can i get to five minutes okay so well that's a little bit more complicated process but you know relatively informable how long will it take me uh you could get to five minutes in less than two months for sure there might be a master class on that (laughs) yeah 
Uh, th- there is also a master class on that um, <laughs> called How to Hold Your Breath for Five Minutes by Elite Performance Design. Um, you could maybe get there in a month. You could definitely get there in two months. And so really you're like working against your tolerance for CO2 as we talked about, but you're also increasing your lung volume a lot. So you're just going to hold your breath, take a really big deep breath, and then you're going to pack. So you, you're just going to keep pushing extra air in. Yeah. So what that's going to do is that's going to increase your lung volume. And this is one of the one of the first things that we do with all professional athletes that we're working with. So if you have a balloon and you blow it up and you let the air out, it's more or less the same size when it's done. If you do that 20 times in a row, if you blow up the balloon over and over again, then when it's latent, it's like four times the size the balloon originally was. So you can think of a similar relationship in your chest and your intercostals by really, really packing that air in the mornings when you wake up you're giving yourself an increase of lung volume by like 10 to 20% throughout your day. So that's literally good for everybody, like not just an athlete. But if you're, even if you just have a business or you're a CEO, you're going to have a greater tolerance to like this anxiety that comes with CO2 when you're doing shallow breathing for whatever your performative work is. Yeah. Whether so it's, do your lungs actually get bigger? So they do. And also you increase the density of the alveoli in the lungs. So your lungs are, are like a sponge inside. It's not like a, a balloon in that context. It's a sponge. But when you do this like packing exercise over and over again, you also increase the density, the alveoli, which gives you a better transfer of, of oxygen and CO2. So everything gets boosted. And that's so, 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 so easy to do with literally any athlete. And, you know, these, these football teams or hockey teams, they're, they're spending astronomical amounts of money to increase your their VO2 max by like one or two points, right? But think about taking a UFC fighter or a football player, increasing their lung volume by 15% in a matter of 60 days. It's like astronomical. And it's really, really easy. We, we just have to like keep practicing it. Yeah. You know? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, you should do like a masterclass on that. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you, so you just recently started a production company, correct? How long ago was this yeah, that you started not, it? Yeah, not super recently, but, you know, what was that? Six Foot Creations? Yeah. Uh, I think when we did that in when the end of we, 2020. Yeah. Um, That's yeah. pretty recent. You know, yeah, three yeah, years yeah. Or so. Yeah, 2020. So, you know, th- obviously the pandemic was crazy. It was the apocalypse for everybody. But really also, like, for, for myself and Mike and Mel and, you know, all of our team, we were able to do a lot, a lot of heavy lifting behind the scenes while there was nothing going on which was great and you know you have to put those pots on to boil for a long time before before you're you're ready right and so it was it was good for us yeah 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 patience patience Mm -hmm. but you know there's no such thing as an overnight success yeah sometimes i would say there is such such thing as like an overnight move that just switches the whole business like for us i recently got an agent and it was just like to the moon you know and before that it was just such a struggle because i was doing all the calls and everything myself yep and then i was just like you know what i think it's about time to get an agent someone had reached out to us before and then here we are you know now we're booking like literally four to five times as much as we were before they do take a cut of the money and that's what i was kind of concerned about you know it's i always am like i don't want to give too much of my like equity away and that kind of stuff but then you know they start bringing money in and you can go from 
struggle, 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 and then it's just like one move, and it's kind of like yeah. an overnight success. Yeah. yeah, but those overnight successes only happen because of so much preparation. Yeah, that's before. absolutely right. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, and what I find the most frustrating is you never can predict when that overnight change happens. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah that's true. Slaps. I like yeah. the saying, success is when preparation meets opportunity. Yep, absolutely. Because yeah. I remember sitting there for like, because I, I did DoorDash every single day for four years in a row when I first started my business because I didn't want to take any extra money from other people, no investors and that stuff. So I was just funding yeah. it off of literally doing DoorDash. And I was just like, one of these days, you know, it's all going to come. And one of the other things that I realized that was really holding me back was I was splitting my attention three or four different ways. Like I have a footwear company, I have a YouTube channel, I have a production company. And then I was also doing gigs like side hustle stuff as well. So my attention was split four different ways. Mm -hmm. And the moment that I quit my YouTube channel and doing the gig stuff and now I only just do off access stuff was like a huge moment for us. That was about mm -hmm. two years ago. That's when it, everything started really rolling. Yeah. Nice. Like a lot of people I would say split their attention too many different ways and they have so many like side hustles mm -hmm. and they're dipping their toes, but they're also competing with people who are all in. Yeah. It's really hard to compete with that. Yeah. And, and also when you talk about like splitting your intentions and your time and energy, you know, depending on what you want to do, you don't necessarily have time to learn all these different things, right? So for us, when we're like starting this production company, you know, magically I can barely use a camera, right? But we, we have so many amazing people that have done so much incredible work along the way that's irreplaceable. And so some projects, like it's, it's all you, it's your, it's all your energy, right? But depending on what you want to do, for example, we're, we're going to be producing our own resident water show in 2024. And that pot to boil required an enormous amount of effort from all these incredible people, right? So like Austin, and Bryson are so unbelievably good at what they do. Yeah, it's, super talented. It's unbelievable. Austin's such a good videographer. He's both both of them are just absolutely freaking amazing. Yeah. And you know, there's no way on planet Earth that I would ever be able to to do what they do because they're so good at what they do. And so depending on what your project is, yes, you have to learn the vernacular of every you know kind of asset in in your goal but also you you have to you're better you're better off outsourcing that understanding to somebody who's already great at it yeah and then you have to wait and you have to put it on the stove and it's going to take a while but yeah. you know and and so when we started the production company that was years ago but now we're we're finally going to have like a resident show and and that's unbelievable but it, it comes from the amazing amazing work and talent of so many people and I, I can't say that enough I mean yeah yeah what would you say is the hardest part of owning a production company hmm I don't I don't know if this is just me but the hardest part for me is just been not knowing what's next in the in the fold like what the next steps are because there's not really a blueprint for it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we, we do one thing, we 
we did some stuff for like World Expo in Dubai and then well what's next so uh, you know well, I mean I've I've like cold called crazy amounts of people about all sorts of different projects because I don't know what to do right but some of them land and then it's it's all okay really in the end but you you've certainly got to have you know serious resilience and willpower to get through sort of these ups and downs and these really latent moments where you're like well I guess I'll just come up with some other you know project or configuration to you know push the company this way or that way or whatever and you you kind of throw a lot of lines in and then when one bites you take the rest of the the rods out you follow it yeah and then when that's done you put all the lines back in even if it's stuff that you haven't touched or you know really worked on conceiving for a while so it's tricky in that way because for me i i love structure so much yeah and not having that structure i i think it's different for everybody but you know like you you and dave Matz are are truly the the gold standard for i'm a performer now i'm a producer i have a company and i'm i'm just killing it i'm just rolling with it along the way yeah and Thanks. i i think that i'm not as good as you guys nearly at understanding that lack of structure and knowing what's next so yeah. for me that's that's been tricky along the way but i've definitely grown and i've learned better how to organize myself and how to kind of create my own structure even if there's not an end goal per se in various different things but it's it's been a huge growing process yeah i would say the best thing about owning a business is that you have to learn so many different things i would say that's the worst thing <laughs> it's the worst thing i mean like when i came to like having to upgrade our insurances and stuff for the theme parks yeah. i was like stepping into a whole new world i was like wait this insurance that i've had for years specialty insurance doesn't yeah. actually cover anything yeah. Like it only covers one person. And I was like, holy crap. Like I didn't know about yeah. this. Like everyone thinks they're insured and stuff, yeah. you know, and then the really yep. actually it's only if you hit an audience member. Yep. But, uh, we've, we've had to just, pull insurance policies for like $10 million. Yeah. And they, that was crazy. They and, and, then, and then we're like scrambling. Right. Yeah. We're like, I don't, I don't know who to call. So, they're, you know, we've like, you're just like cold calling various insurance companies that work in entertainment. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, we've never met you. And no, so <laughs> yeah but the good thing about you know being in business is if god forbid the business ever goes bankrupt or something you can take all of those skills that you learned mm -hmm. to different places like i've learned how to set up a podcast studio how to do insurances how to import footwear from china how to set yeah. up shows sound equipment like all these things and that's just because i had to learn that like yeah. i didn't have the budget mm -hmm. to like throw at other things and i enjoy learning all these different skills because i feel like Acquiring new skills is like the ultimate way to fight inflation because, you know, your skills will always go up mm -hmm. no matter how much. Hmm, that's interesting. You know, however, like you can put money into stocks and stuff, but if you invest into yourself and your own skills, you're always going to be able to make more and more money and you're always going to have a safer mm -hmm. bet at getting a job yep. or booking yourself somewhere. Yep. Especially a lot of performers, they spend all this time on only one skill. And I always tell people like you should – you know, if you had, if you knew social media or but, but marketing also, or that stuff. Also, that, that comes with a novel mindset that not everybody has because you're also betting on yourself, right? Yep. And so if you're a performer, maybe you're not betting on yourself. 
if you happen to be a performer in a really it's big true. show, you're betting on that show. Yes, you, you don't. Ha you don't have to put all all of your stock into you. You say, "I'm I'm in this Cirque show. The Cirque show is great. That's that's where I'm putting my belief." I would say you are betting on yourself because you're mm. betting on yourself to not get hurt. Well, and that's also a you, risky you are, game but too. but you're not the product. Yeah, you're you're betting on a different product. You're not the product. Yeah, the, true. the show is the product. So what you're saying about learning all these skills is that you are betting on yourself. You're the product, right? Yeah. Whatever it is, as an entrepreneur, as a, an investor, as a you know an athlete, whatever. However, a lot of performers and athletes, you know, we we really a lot of people have this, you know, lack of faith the end of the rainbow right where you're like gonna get all the way there but you go oh i don't know i don't know if it's me i don't know if i'm the guy yeah and and when you're in a big show that's not a problem because you say oh all my belief is in the product it's this cirque show or you know this event in the middle east or whatever it is mm -hmm. but when you're taking time and energy and economy out of your life and investing it in yourself you have to believe that you have to be you have to be right there all the way to the end yep right but one thing to keep in mind is whenever you bet on yourself you always get a return on investment this is true that's true you're not like taking that. losses but if you bet on a different product well sometimes those shows yeah don't work I like all of that. my friends lost their job on the same day <laughs> yep, everyone lost their job so uh, yeah you're working for someone else making them money exactly. yeah. you're making what yeah. your a skills market value is and a lot of people don't like equivalent that they think they're worth a certain amount and then you have to realize who are you competing with you know if you're a yeah. 35 year old acrobat who is just as skilled and knowledgeable as a 22 year old acrobat mm-hmm you're probably not going to get the job. Yeah, they're going to want to go with the younger person. Absolutely. In and a perfect world, but there's also nepotism. So yes, that's true. Lots of friends. But, but small you know industry. what, too, though? Like, I, I would say that even nepotism has like gone down quite a bit. I would imagine because, so. Because the industry took such a huge hit, the sort of behind-the-scenes nepotism in a lot of the industry has gone to the wayside um, in favor of just cheaper 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 whatever's the bottom line so yeah i see a lot of uh foreign acrobats coming into cirque nowadays yeah and a lot of mm -hmm. the americans are kind of quitting or mm -hmm. doing their own thing and you know they got yeah. them yes. they kind of cirque's got them kind mm -hmm. of hate to say it but by the balls if you're here on a visa yep. you know it's yep. a lot yeah. you can't just kind of mm -hmm. push your weight around yep. you are kind of dangling by the thread they're like ah we don't like you anymore go back to wherever you came from you know and well and and think about how how insane this is is that if you're applying for a position on like russian swing or teeterboard or whatever it may be cirque has great networks all around the world well i'm just using cirque for an example but you know a lot of these companies and so what you're competing against is that cirque is also leveraging different athletes from countries that are really really hard up right so you know if, if they're offering some young kid from a war-torn country who's a former world champion 
to go risk their life every night and do something truly incredible, but then they're going to offer $120 a night to do that because that person is leveraged so unfairly to not be able to turn that down. Yeah. And so that whole market space is, is very different now than it was even five years ago. Yep. And there's, there's very little way to get around that from either perspective. If, if you're the young athlete from a worn torn country, or if you're the American performer, whatever it may be, you know, we're, we're all in it together, whether we like it or not, but there's, there's not a lot of avenues outside of that leverage because at the end of the day, you know, someone's going to take it. I think the, the best thing for the industry is to have more brands that have more reputation. Absolutely. We're getting to the point where we're high in 25 people a year, at least sometimes even more than that. You know, if we include all the jobs, we're at like 40 to 50, Mm -hmm. but we have on call like 12 to 20 people all at one time, basically. Yeah. And the more companies there are that are putting on shows like this, the more leverage the people have, the more they can stick up from themselves, the more they can say like, screw you yep a, mil- a million percent or whatever percent. whoever yep. i can go over here and i can make more money you know and then yep. you start to actually have some leverage and as the further we get away from COVID, i think the further we're going to see like the real players who have who are actually doing business correctly not mm-hmm. wasting money in crazy places yeah i think mm-hmm. um who puts on absinthe i think uh, so that's, uh, that's ross from spiegel, spiegel world. world yeah i, I don't ross know a legend I don't know too much about like how they run their shows and stuff, but mm-hmm. when I go to their show, I'm like, they are running their shows really well. It's it seems, mint. It's yeah. mint. They're it seems absolutely like killing it. And Ross the is... The production's so good. Ross is excellent. Ross is great. He's a visionary. And he's not wasting money on overhead. Yeah, Because exactly. when you get into these corporate structures, there's so much wasted money. You so have no idea. Oh, by Cirque du Soleil, right? Yeah. They make $400,000 a night. $400,000 a night, okay? So the unions in basketball and football, there's a negotiated percentage of what the revs go to the athletes, Yeah. right? doesn't exist in our industry. No. Everybody else is union. So your riggers, your techs, everybody, everybody else has guaranteed hours and overtime and all of that. The artists, absolutely not. They're screwed. Yeah. And when you get into that corporate structure, the artists are the ones that are leveraged the hardest because the people running the show, they're getting a percentage. So they, they've already signed a deal with the casino, for example, right? It's going to cost you this much to run the show. And they build out that budget as big as they can ahead of time. They go, okay, this is what it's going to cost you. But then once the show is up and running, the client, they don't see the books. So then the company... They go, okay, well, now we're going to drop all these salaries by 60% and these ones and these ones and these ones and these ones over time. And then they're just recuperating all that money that was initially guaranteed by the client in the mm-hmm. budget. So then they're just taking that over time. Yeah. And and there's no, there's no turnabout for the artists in that way, except for like what you do and what Dave Matz does, you know, and, and you're – you're out there and you're doing your own thing and you're, and you're creating your own enterprise. 
you're creating your own clients and, and all of that. But if you're in that machine, you're kind of hard pressed. Yeah. 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 It's a bummer, but I think, yeah, I think the more companies that are out there that are doing what we're doing, the, you know, the better it is for everyone. You know? Absolutely. Essentially absolutely. we're just at the end of the day, I'm an opportunity creator for acrobats. Yeah. And that's the way I, I think that. of myself is I'm just trying to create like the more money that I make, the more opportunities I create for other people. Cause the more money I pour yeah. back into yeah. acquiring leads and all that good stuff. Um, I do want to talk about what are some, I do want to give a few tips before we get into that as a performer, when you are leveraging things like I call this price anchoring mm -hmm. and it's when you, you know, if let's say you're getting a gig or something, someone asks, okay, how much are you a day? And the yeah. highest price you can think of is 400 bucks yeah. a day. That's the uh -huh. most I've ever made, you know? If you say 400 bucks, it's actually a pretty low rate for like a single day thing for anything, you know, if you just double that and say I'm worth 800 bucks a day, which is actually like yep. still it's decent, you know, hmm. um, here's, you're more likely to get that 400 bucks. Here's, here's yeah. what I would say. <laughs> Absolutely. Here, here's what I would say. Whenever anybody asks you a price for anything, you never give them an answer. You ask them questions. Yeah. So you, you cannot build out a budget for absolutely anything without information. Yeah. So what am I getting hired for? Where is it? How long is it? Okay. So, cause if it's in Sacramento or if it's in Napa or if it's in Florida, these are all different. And as soon as you interact with the client in that way, you immediately go to the top of that list for somebody that knows what they're talking about and can deliver. Mm -hmm. If you give them a price right off the bat, you're, you're immediately showing like your juvenile understanding of the economy of the situation. Yep. So, the first thing you should be doing is asking questions and then you can reply to them and they are going to be much more willing to meet you, whatever you need. Right. So, okay. Yes. So it's going to be two days. I have to travel here. Am I bringing my own props? Am I bringing my own costumes? And then you have your little budget. So this is your costume. Let's say your costume costs $300. So you have a 10% depreciation on your costume for every time you perform it. That's yeah. what you're going to build into your budget. So if your costume is $300, you're going to put in that $30 as your charge for essentially a rental fee for the costume, same for the props, also the vehicle that you're going to use, the travel time. If you have a travel time, you're going to give yourself half of your day rate for a travel day. Yeah. And you're going to build all that in. And you come back to the client. You say, these are the relative costs associated, and it's going to be a little higher than what they wanted. And then they're going to come back, and they're going to meet you, and then you can get the deal done. Yeah, but if you just jump in with a number, I, I think that uh, I think that's not wise. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that really took my company to the next level was I was reading million or hundred million dollar offers by Alex Ramosi, and he was talking uh -huh. about always have the biggest possible priced product that you can have. Which on this TV back here, two years ago, this was the biggest possible product I could think of. I was like, mm -hmm. well. Instead of just doing ramps and then doing tramp ball and teeterboard all in different shows, we should put them all together. Yeah. Sure. And then I had one client come along who gave me a rate. Yeah. It was definitely not the rate that I wanted for the show, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this whole budget and I'm going to put on this show because now I have this crazy high expensive project yeah. to sell. Mm -hmm. And now this is essentially all we book. Mm -hmm. And just by like, I essentially quadrupled our daily, our normal daily rate to get to this mm -hmm. show right here. And I think what a lot of people miss out on is people always try to do 
something cheaper than the rest of the people, and that's yeah. how they think they're going to get more. Well, right. here, here's a, here's also Walmart a, to fire the Walmart the versus yeah. add value, add as much mm-hmm. value as you possibly can, yeah. and then scale back then that value depending on what their budget is. Well, you also want to give them a menu, and so any client that you work with, you want to do like a tiny bit of market research in the background, and just just go on their website, see what they produced before, right? Yep. And, and give yourself a, a good rough estimate of what their market space is and what their market cap is. And then you're going to give them a menu. So let's say I'm going to go somewhere as a juggler. I'm going to say, well, here's my costs associated. This is the price. Here's what it would be if I'm going to do like three complete stage acts. Here's what it's going to be if I'm doing just like some ambient entertainment. Mm-hmm. But what you're really trying to do is lead them in the middle and say, I'm going to do like two stage acts, some ambient entertainment. And I'm going to go over the top for it. I'm like, I'll juggle for hours. It's all great. I'll crush it with your client and all that. And you, and you guide them to, to what you want. And then for your next client, you're just going to shift all of those a tiny bit and you're going to get a little bit closer to your upper range. Yep. Whatever that is in terms of performance and economy. Yeah. Okay. So as a producer, how do you acquire your talent? And what are some things that you do? Because I know well, I've seen here's, some... Well, uh, here's the thing, dude. Yeah. You know, there are very, very, very few production companies that were started by former artists, right? Because you end up with lots of people in, you know, stage management or really that have, have even many people that have nothing to do with entertainment, right? Whether it's like Pepsi and they come in as a GM for Cirque. Yeah. And they're starting production companies, right? Because yeah. they, they see this the worst. huge benefit from the economies of scale behind roughly where capitalism sits in entertainment right now. Yeah. So for you, for me, for Dave Matz, for different people in our sphere, we never have to ever have to like reach out to find talent, right? Because if you're, you know, Bob from Pepsi and you put on your Instagram, hey, I need somebody for this. Well, who cares, right? But if you do it, it's all your friends. Yeah. So you already know. You've got your ear to the ground. So we really do not have to work to... There's a lot of micro steps that we took to get to where we are today, though. Yeah. You know, it no, was that, like that's true. That's years true. Years of doing shows. I do this oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, for sure. You have a huge like, historicity in all this stuff that you yeah. do. Like and also and so, trying to put out a good impression to everyone too. Yeah, ab- if absolutely. You have a bad reputation, people aren't going to want to work with you. No. Well, yeah, I mean more or less. But to be honest, we know plenty of people. I know that still, still work right they because still yeah, work it, with it, people it, they comes, hate. it comes down to comes down to you know money and the client where you really. are where your bank so, account's sitting. But so, but I th- I think just coming from being an artist first. It also gives you so much good positive reciprocity with the artists because, again, the artists are one of the first and heavy, heaviest leveraged in the whole industry. So being a, a, an artist first, you, they know you've got their back, Yeah. right? So, so obviously, they're more willing to work with you. Like recently, we had a client for a, a really big private event in, in Napa and you know, the client changed a whole bunch of sort of concepts behind it really at the last minute. And they asked us to, you know, essentially tell the artists, Oh, you have to do something different. And we said, well, we can't, we're not going to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. I'm I'm not going to like turn about face to the artists and say, 
all of that was untrue we have to now you have to like do these stage acts as opposed to ambient and and that comes from having that relationship previously as an artist with your clients and yeah and thinking god that's that's so unfair it's so outrageous so no so the egg can't be on on yeah. us right it, you you just have to own it and if you want to change that well you need to up the rates and you need to change things because we're not going to do that yeah for sure mm-hmm. yeah we've had some pretty silly requests we had one recently i don't want I, to talk about i had the most outrageous like... request ever one time i was uh somebody wanted to hire me for juggling and in the demo that i sent them it was me at david's dream factory with the led wall behind me right yeah so they wanted to hire me for like a ridiculously low number. It was so insane. <laughs> and they said, oh, so do you just like, do you bring the wall with you? How long will oh that take God. to set up? So I was like, oh my God. They like, they offered me like $600 to juggle and they thought I was going to bring an LED wall. <laughs> like, it's so crazy. It's so like, oh yeah. And like the four techs that I'm going to need yeah, to like, bring that yeah, LED like, wall? oh yeah, yeah. I'll just call up Dylan and he'll set it up for like 12 hours and then we'll share like the 11 nickels anyway so insane so yeah some some clients are, are really they have no idea they're but, just delusional well these, you know? these are the they people that also it. don't come ignorance. from entertainment yeah they, that they don't come from entertainment they they just see it as a way to you know capitalize on a, a leverage point in our economy yeah Okay, so for the last like 10 minutes or so, I do want to watch some reels so we can kind of give some feedback to the artists. Great, and sure. There's a variety of different uh, reels I was submitted, mm-hmm. and I kind of want to just watch them. Yeah, can do Can you it. see the TV yeah, from yeah, there? Yeah, all good, all good, I can. And we'll just give them some tips, and I haven't seen any of these reels yet, um, and I want to kind of just go over what you would think of if someone was to send you this reel yep. to get hired. So this first one is Kayla Kalitz. Sorry, I can't say that last name. Kaliz. I don't know. Kalitz? Kaliz. Kaliz. I've done a few gigs with her. Kaliz. Um, I'm not going to play sound, sorry, all but right. no, all good. copyrighted okay. music and stuff mm. will get Classic. us kicked off of YouTube. Yeah. So I believe she does have a voiceover right here, which I thought was really nice. She's yeah. talking about Ariel and stuff. The one thing I would say um, is you should put yourself on screen talking because it personalizes it. Yep, I agree with that. Um, When I'm watching this right now, though, I kind of don't like all these cuts, to be honest, though. Well, it also depends depends on who you're sending it to. Because if you're sending it to a client or if you're sending it to a producer, that's very different. Uh, because oftentimes a producer really wants to see more of your full act, full but, act a, but a client, sure. a client is more comfortable with all these cuts yeah. because they're, they're just seeing it as like the images that they're going to purvey for whatever event they're producing yeah, or, or hiring to be produced. Right. I would say as a performer, one of the main things to do, and also it's like a good way to keep track of how good you're getting and show your progress is to make, just have a good demo reel to send. And then as you progress, cut some clips and add the new ones that get yeah. better. Well, so like any act, right? You have you have two really important moments. You you have your entrance and your exit. Yeah. So you really have to develop that same thing yeah. in in your demo. It has to start out with a banger. So whatever your best stuff is, Literally you've got to keep them the watching. Right? Yeah, you should yeah. attract the yeah. attention. And your second best thing and is no, the last thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and then your third best is what you put second. 
Yeah, yep, there that's, you go. that's true too. Third best, <laughs> yeah. Then your filler. Yeah, that's correct. I would say it's really and important to have. Don't put like, anything in that's, that yeah. you think is mid. That you think, well, yeah, maybe keep it out. Keep it like, short. Keep and it sweet. short. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, other, the other thing two, two and a half minutes, you're pushing it. Two yeah. and a half minutes is a max. Yeah, I would say ninety seconds. Nine, ninety seconds. 90 you, seconds. You, you, yeah. you should be able to fit everything in ninety seconds. Yeah. If someone's trying to look at twenty of these, yeah, they don't they don't want to spend an hour. Yeah, uh, so like all of them are three minutes. Oh, and, and okay. also, so this would be a problem, I would say. You know, if you have okay. multiple disciplines that you're showing, mm-hmm. yeah. you should showcase those at the beginning because yep. I might have already clicked off by now. So you yeah. should have your multiple discipline row or sorry, the multiple discipline mm-hmm. discipline reel mm-hmm. and show all of the different things. But oh, that was great. That, that was really nice. good. So like I would have put that. So more towards the front. here's here's the other so thing. So much of too. that other stuff in the beginning that so I might have already clicked the, off. The yeah. beginning of the video too was not on stage. Always start on stage. Uh, yeah, it's got it's got to start on stage. You have to credify your abilities, and it's got to be on stage. You should have and started with the stage stuff. Even yeah, it, even it if you don't even if you money. don't have great stuff uh, on stage that's been filmed in the past, you just do some homework and figure out where there's a stage. Whether it's like a library yeah, or like a, a zoo or, or whatever, yep. right? And and you film it there. I, that, I used to do that when I was living in Paris. Is I would I would go to like an empty opera theater and set up lighting and film yeah. myself juggling, even though I hadn't performed that. Because the videos that you have from your performance are often so far away, they're they're not good at all for your reel. Yeah. So a lot of the stage stuff you have isn't really usable for a client or a producer. So just go to a stage. Find a bookstore some somewhere that that's got a stage. Set up your lights and film it in costume a thousand percent, and then you're just gonna put those like at the beginning of your reel. Yeah, I would say just from my perspective of what I do when I send to clients, and also like if you're an artist, keep it to sixty to ninety seconds. If you're selling a twenty thousand dollar show or something, then you want to have maybe a, a longer reel because they're spending a lot yeah. more money. They you know they want to see sixty seconds. Well, they're not looking at twenty of these. Well, on one well, yeah. here's the well. thing though: is that you need both because that's yeah. what you need to send first. Yeah, and then afterward, you're gonna send the longer one as yeah. you get further in the conversation. Yeah, and if you do like trample and teeterboard and juggling, you should yeah. have a reel that's short that shows all three of them. And try to make sure the art or the producer knows within the first ten seconds you do all three of these, yeah, and then kind of show clips cut. here and there, and then you should have a specified reel for each one. Because if I'm hiring so too, yeah. for a tramp ball show, I don't want to see a reel that has a little bit of everything, but I might also watch that reel and be like, oh, I also need a juggler for this other project. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why resumes yeah. are important, and not enough artists have actual resumes. Short resumes. Skills. Short resumes. Yeah, keep one, it one thing, really easy yeah. to read. So this next one is Jeremy Casper. It says generalist demo. So I'm assuming we're going to see multiple different things. I have not okay. watched this. So 218, that's not a bad time. No, that's fine. So we got some teeterboard. I would teeterboard is so hard on the knees. Yeah. I, I don't <laughs> see old guys doing that. I No. God, no. <laughs> so, I like teeterboard right, too. So uh, here, here's the thing. The pad. If you're... If you're sending this to a new resident cool. creation, you can put in the training stuff. Yeah. But if you're sending it to a producer or a client for an event, zero training stuff. 
Yeah, you want to have all like I try to keep all of our clips in our reels and my personal reel as professional stage footage. Yeah, in costume and everything. Absolutely, absolutely. However, if if you are applying for a I resident position want a mat at, a, at a show or phone pit stuff, well, it it depends on who you're sending it to. So yeah. if you're sending it to the acrobatic designer for a resident show, you might want to show that quad back, you know, yeah. Yeah. and that's fine because that's gonna be you know that's gonna light it up mm-hmm. for whoever that you know acrobatic designer is however this is a really mixed reel i don't so, think he has professional stage footage I, and that just, might be why we, we just we i think see... we, just, we just we saw some we just saw yeah some. no no there it was, was like there was a little bit of tear board yeah there was a little bit very small amount though this is cool though this shows like his other stuff yeah there <laughs> but here's the other thing too you you just send it no matter what you've got Right. Yep. So Always at the, at the, the end of the have. day, at the end of the day, I mean, you. There we go. Yeah. That. No, see, that should yeah, have been no, one of the first things in there. But although you well, can't see or, who's or the who. last thing. Yeah. That's cool too. But you yeah. you just send it and then you keep working it out, right? Yeah. yeah. Just keep making it better. Oh, that's so painful. <laughs> your the fingers on the head is uh, awful. I don't know. They're like which grabbing your brain. I think he was the one on the bottom. So he's the one throwing he here. Left. Yeah, okay. yeah, has left. So yeah. we got some bond. No, no need to 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 redo those tricks, right? Especially because yeah. there was one that was on stage and one that wasn't. Right. So yeah, so yeah, yeah that, that could be an easy. Yeah, yeah a lot of people will send me like videos, and they'll have like a one and three on trample and then like two minutes later or so they have a one and three to ball out and it's like why don't you just have the one you know the higher higher combo you know just show the best variety that you possibly can and show it in the best manner you can and teeterboard is so fun by the way yeah i love i love teeterboard to a dismount pad well here's the thing so we're our our new resident show we're doing teeterboard into water that's amazing brother that's yeah. the dream that's what i'm saying that Hire me. i, I <laughs> want to be a performer I, I wish my body was like 15 years younger that was my dream when i saw russian swing into water i was like oh it's amazing i want to do that and i saw teeterboard and i was like dang somebody needs to do, do that, that into water that's what i'm if anyone is listening to this and they have a pool that they will allow me to bring one of my teeterboards to to flip in it's got to be a big pool it can't be like yeah. a small one Hit me up because I well, we're we're we're, we're also we're also going to be doing R and D on it, so we're we'll have that. Let's yeah. do it. Okay, uh, I got two more. We, we also our teeterboard is going to be at three meters into water. Wonderful, so, bro. These, I want these do young it. these young kids are going to do crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they will like. Can you imagine, crazy. dude? The internet yeah. ruined everything. You have just they, created these, a thousand pe- more bro, belly flops people, in the world. People oh, already do like seven epic. flips on trampoline dude, now. Hire those G uh, tramp kids that just huck stuff off the yeah. freaking cliffs. They just I, huck and I want to see it, but I, I want to see it, but I don't want to have liability on it. For <laughs> dude, for I know that's like the worst part about. That is what keeps me up at night. When we went, like, for example, right now I have my show going on at SeaWorld. Dude, it is hard for me to, like, that, when I know it's 7 to 10 when my trampoline performers are going, there's just, like, this, (laughs) like, a little bit of stress where I'm like, fuck, I hope I don't get a call today or something. I got a call from the president of SeaWorld the other day. I was like, 
oh, oh this shit, is gonna be good. This cannot be good. <laughs> yeah. And it was fine, but it was just like, uh oh. It's, it's like SeaWorld president's calling me right now. What it's like when this? you're when you're and young, if you like, uh, bad, but like if, if you change like the air conditioner in the house, and your yeah. dad just goes, "Yeah, I know it's happening." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have like that in the back of your mind when a show is going on. Yeah. So okay, this next one is Caroline, Caroline Godwin, uh, performer oh, located in Las her. Vegas. Yeah. This is a reel of still walking, flow, and chains. So I'm mm-hmm. assuming it's everything. I yeah. like that it's only a minute and looks yeah. like 16 yeah. seconds. So let's watch this one. She's really good. This flow. She's stuff, really too. great. Like she's really great. Yeah. Oh, I like. See, I yeah, like that okay. she's already thrown in. Boom. Three, four disciplines. Even if it's not a stage, this is like at Dave's house or something. Yeah, it's well, professionally done. It looks now. professional, yeah. you know. And she's already shown us all of, uh, ev- almost everything has been a different discipline. So I like the yeah. way this is starting. Yeah, this is good. Also, get your face in front of the camera, right? Like what yeah. she just did, personal, right? Because it. well, also the client wants to know what you look like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So she's showing a lot of different things. I like this. You know, she's showing different outfits. Yeah. This is really good lighting. Good lighting, professionally done. She's smiling in Um, every clip. And even though for the most part of it, like this is obviously pretty much all shot at Dave's Dream Factory, you know, if you're the client, you don't know that. Yeah, versus the previous one, clearly a lot was done at LVCC. Yeah, yeah, just go to Dave's house and film or something. (laughs) It helps to have friends. Yeah. Even like even if you have to pay, you know, there's an ROI on that stuff. Oh yeah, well that's what happens if you yep. invest in yourself. Yep. So this is really good, you know. I already know, like yeah. if I'm gonna hire one yeah. of those, oh, things, excellent. Like, yeah, that's excellent. Really good. I would say that's also like a 10 at the out of end 10. though, like put your email in the Ooh, end of the video. Absolutely. Email at the end. You, you have know? to put, put your email in the end. Yep. Yes. Yeah, and the beginning. Okay, we got one more. All right. It's unfortunate more. we don't get to play the audio because, man, that, that really, really contributes I bet you, more than almost anything in a demo reel. People, yeah. for, you're running a podcast. Also, people don't understand the most important part is audio quality. It doesn't yes. matter how good the camera looks. Yeah, if audio. If it sounds like garbage, people will will not listen after like 30 seconds. Yeah, one time these mics, I also, just didn't record. And if you yeah. If you are an artist and you're making a demo, do not pick your favorite song. Do not pick something polarizing, right? If you love Pinball Wizard by The Who, that's awesome. But it's not for your demo. Yeah. Whoever you're sending, whoever the client is, think of what does the client want to hear? Yeah. And then put that on top. You know, I was was thinking this the other day, and I think one of my biggest successes in business has been like I don't always try to perfect the skill that I'm trying to make money off. Mm-hmm. I try to perfect the art of how do I make my client the most money with mm-hmm. the skill that mm-hmm. I'm giving them, you know? Mm-hmm. If I'm Absolutely. a videographer, yeah. the best way to make the most money off videography is not to get the best equipment because to be honest, I was making six figures a year with a T3i that cost me 500 bucks. Oh yeah. It's not about the equipment and stuff you have, it's about how you can use it to make this other person money. Like if I can make a great cinematic video, but I don't show how this product works very well, it doesn't really matter how much this company buys it off me for, you know? Yeah. Like when I'm selling a show, I'm trying to get the angles that show my stage the best because I'm selling this stage to people. So here's another here's another part about about close ups. Here's another part about giving your client a menu, right? Yeah. Is you're gonna list the specs for what you've got. If, if you're a videographer, 
here's here's what I'm going to provide. However, I can do it in these specs, and you're going to associate a rental fee. There you go. And then they're going to say, mm, no, your your other stuff's fine. And then and then that's right in your wheelhouse, and you don't have to sort of barter for a higher price. Yeah. yeah. And All right, let's watch this right, final let's go, Mitch. People are most happy with three options. This at least when they're presented with three Mitch options. Mitch Dubois. I feel like most of this stuff is going to be from my shows because he's mostly worked for me this last year. Nice. That's my show, Them and Bunnies. Nice. <laughs> I painted that wall myself. Oh, so it's I've good, though. He starts myself. it off with professional footage. It's, yes. It, but it's vertical. And that's not great. It is vertical. Yeah. I want to say that I filmed this. Okay. You know what? He cropped this to vertical for that Instagram correct, yeah. and now we're watching it uh, in Instagram yeah, format classic. on YouTube. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what oh, I filmed yeah. some of those I know clips. This kid. He's great. Yeah. So this is from our show in St. Louis and I filmed that on 4K mm-hmm. horizontal, but he's he's great. Crafted. He's really yeah. great. No, he's great. Yeah. And he's really, really good with like a client. He's got a great smile. His mm-hmm. energy's excellent. He's, he's got a lot of other skills as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's at SeaWorld. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but I like that it's all off-axis footage. I would give him a 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so this is his tramp all demo reel. All so right, so here's, here's what I would say so far, right, is that and, – and this especially because it's, it's him. He's so personable and friendly, and he's got such a great face. Yeah. He at no point so far has – shown that this is true you know you're what just I mean? hiring a random actor yep. about that yep. you've it's, never it's seen just someone it's, in a costume it's just point. another bunny that's yeah. right so he needs to get in front of the camera and he's got to like he's got to pitch that example. he's got to yeah. be selling that because that's one of his biggest assets really i chatted with him at your trample competition he was lovely yes. we would love to hire him for anything he was great but we don't get that from the video yeah i think uh so actually one of the moves that i just made recently i'm doing this uh, pitch for a convention and I took I was going to send in our normal demo reel and he's but what I did it. was I actually put myself in front of a green screen and I talked over the whole demo reel basically and I personalized it to mm. these clients so that way when these clients are watching this reel they're seeing me and mm. when you're working in business you're it's like basically like you know if you are 10% better than someone else but they like that other person as a person they're going to hire that other person all day. Yeah. It's about adding a personal touch to people yeah. so they want to work with you. And if yeah. you put yourself on screen and your face up there, you know, it's easier for them to get hired. You know, Caroline had a lot of clips where you could see her face and you kind of get an mm-hmm. idea of who she is and stuff. Yeah. Um, the others, Kayla's was like kind of there, but, and I know she had a voiceover at the beginning of the video, mm-hmm. but instead of a voiceover, put yourself talking like, Hey, I'm Tanner Markley. These are the things that I do. I hope you, I look forward to working with you guys. Just yeah. something like that that's small okay. and just putting your face on there I yeah. think would help a lot because you get an idea, you know, because sometimes, you know, role, like hiring acrobats is kind of a roll of the dice. It seriously know? is. No, it's you, a huge roll of the dice. Acrobats could be wild, especially like BMX riders and stuff. Like these guys on our last tour, they were getting we don't, freaking wild. We don't, we don't yeah. mess with that. That's all you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Need, I wouldn't even know the first the thing about. The most talented BMX yeah. riders a little crazy. Well, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Some crazy well, stuff you know, goes on. Kurt, Curtis Downs used to live with us. Yeah. And uh, him and his amazing uh, wife, uh, Girlfriend. Grace, 
Uh, Grace, no, they're not married. They're not married. Oh. Uh, Curtis and Grace are unbelievable, and Curdy is a nut, man. Yeah. The stuff he does on that bike. You got to be a little Good. crazy. The stuff he does on the bike. Dude, he, he does a backflip with four whips. Yeah. Yeah. What in God's name? You got to be a little, like, yeah. that's got to have that's a couple bonkers. screws to do BMX. At least stuff, if you get smoked. Concrete. At, at least if you get absolutely freaking smoked on a Russian swing. There's not also a piece of metal in the yeah. air that's trying to tackle you. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a good point. Brother, that is crazy. Yeah. That is yeah. insane. Yeah. At least when you crash, you're like, that's the end of it. But if you crash with a bike, you're like, we're uh, halfway there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Might still be. Oh, yeah. here comes the yeah. sequel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is between you and God. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Cool. Any well, last things you want to yeah. talk about? One, one thing I, I noticed about our commentary on all of these demo reels is it, it highlights something that I think most of us artists understand inherently when it comes to what we perform, but not necessarily this stuff, which is you have to understand your audience. If you're a stand-up comedian, yeah, you got to know who you're talking to. Yeah. And if you're trying to, because you're going to sell your act to them, and if they like it, they laugh. And with this stuff, you're selling it to a client. You're selling it to your producer. So if you don't understand who you're talking to, that's going to get kind of scary. And yeah. you're just you're just taking a shot in the dark and maybe you get lucky. Well, honestly though too is like like take time out of your day if you're making a demo and make like 5, like literally make 5. Like completely, like full stop, make 5 demos. And then through that process you'll be like, "Oh, that one eh, kind of shit. This one, oh, that's better." Right? And then make one at the end, right? Yeah. But like literally go through the whole process and make 5 demos. And then your demo is going to be banging. Right, yeah. it's, it's the first pancake situation, right? Yeah. If, 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 first if, pancake, right? If you make one, that's the only one, right? Make a bunch and then yeah. throw them all out, and don't be afraid to get rid of old work, right? Yep. It's like if you're writing anything, if you're copy editing, don't be afraid to just hit delete. Yeah. So by making a bunch, you become less afraid of that. So make a whole bunch of demos. Yeah. Literally, invest your time in it. Make a bunch of demos and then delete a bunch of them. And then you're you're way better off. You have you have much more armory there. The person who makes the best demo reels is the person that gets hired more. You know. Well, actually, the, the the person that makes the best demo reels is Austin Bradley, and <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and Bryson Bishop. Yeah, it is ridiculous. I'm sure. They're yeah, un, they're dude. It, if you just pay, like, if you know you have a big project coming up, like one of the best things I did was hire two videographers to come film our show in Lancaster last year. Mm-hmm. That one video has made me so much money yeah. and it cost me like i don't know two grand or so in you know just paying these guys to yeah. come down with good equipment get a multicam do a multicam yeah multicam go stuff. go to a stage where there's nothing happening at your local museum or library send them an email talk to them ahead of time a lot of these theaters you can get in touch with anybody in town right like where the extravaganza was or whatever you you do some research you figure out who's the GM of that venue you get in touch with them you say hey can I film something there and then I will promote it for you so then when I release this demo I'm gonna tag you on all the social media channels blah 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 they're gonna let you in you set up a multicam you and two of your friends and then you film it out and and then you hash that footage yeah I agree I think uh, what you said was really good, though. Make five, because if you were to give two people two different projects, person A, 
your project is make the best reel you can. Mm-hmm. And you spend five times as long as the person who, person B, made five demo reels. Mm-hmm. That person who made five demo reels, their fifth demo reel is going to yeah. be better than your first demo reel. Well, now they're an expert. They're an expert they're by the end, yeah. you know? And they, and they know their own brand. You have to find your own brand. Yeah. And also put your email in the end. Put your email yeah, put, in Put the end. your email at the end. Yeah. Especially and, and start with and start with and start with a close up of your face and start with a close up of your face. Close up of your face. Yeah. Personalize like it. a demo reel version Speaking of how to make a tender it. profile. Yes. I don't yes. know. This is something I wanted <laughs> yeah. to do though cuz so many people like send me these I hate to say it but absolutely garbage demo reels or Instagram clips Dude, and I'm like how am I supposed to hire you off of a trampoline clip of a mat getting thrown? Dude, like, back, back in the day we used to have to take stuff off VHS. Yeah. And then mail it. That's awesome. Mailed. I started with I mailed VHS demos. Also. I mailed yeah. demos. I'm talking a box. I did too. Yep. And you know what? You know what's such a heartbreaker? Dude, the the coolest job on planet Earth used to be talent scout for like Cirque or Dragon. Mm -hmm. Because you would travel all around the world and you get to watch all these different acts, right? And whatever circus troupe or company, you get in touch with them, then they'll give you a showcase of their stuff. Yeah. Now, because of the internet, that job's gone. Gone, huge bummer yeah. dude huge gone. bummer that used to be literally the coolest job in like the whole world of entertainment yeah now it's gone you just go on instagram you're like ah oh. well they still gotta find these kids that they import and stuff to come and work for cheap you know that is Sorry, also correct said that. <laughs> yes <laughs> anything else tanner no let's wrap it all right um so where can everyone find you guys social media websites uh, what is anyone it? who needs to find me already knows how to find me Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So we've got uh, our production company is sixfootcreations.com and uh, our performance design company, where we work with professional athletes and entertainers, is eliteperformancedesign.com. Yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah. Sixfootcreations.com and eliteperformancedesign.com. Yeah. Cool. And I don't do anything really on Instagram, so I uh, I literally made a post. Cool yeah, I stuff. Well, our no, our our production company does, but I uh, I don't. But not you yeah. personally. I made a post yeah. yesterday and then I deleted it. Cool. <laughs> so oh, that sounds yeah. personal. That sounds like personal health. Good job. Sweet. Well, thank you guys for listening. If you guys haven't yet, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, if you want to check out our shows, our show is offaxisacrobatics.com. That's going to be our entertainment stuff. Our footwear company. You see this beautiful shoe right back here and there's actually 1300 pairs of shoes on the other side of the camera that you guys don't yep. see those are all on offaxisathletics.com please go buy some shoes so i can clear up some space in this basement and we'll see you guys in the next one thank you guys bye-bye everyone right on brother that concludes this episode of the off Access podcast if you guys found value in this please consider sharing with your friends also subscribe and we'll see you guys in the next episode bye everyone